I hope you're doing so well. I'm giving you all the love in the world and I'm so excited to share this episode with you all today because I had the amazing ability to have a conversation with Jana Johnson, who was my first ever spiritual teacher. And I'm sure you're going to absolutely love this conversation. Jana Johnson is a powerful spiritual teacher, an absolute lighthouse, and you're just going to adore what pours out of her mouth. Jana grew up in... Minnesota and spent her adult years crisscrossing the USA in search of more life. After leaving the corporate world in 2009, Jenna began to receive intuitive messages about moving to another country. So in 2012, Jenna put 15 years of New York City living into storage, packed two bags and left to stay in a small little village called Ubud, which is situated in Bali, Indonesia. Within a couple of years, Jana was invited to join the world-renowned yoga center, the Yoga Barn, as a residential healer. So for six years, Jana worked one-on-one with clients and hosted workshops and retreats. So like I mentioned before, Jana was my first ever spiritual teacher. She is the real deal. (laughs) And sent me strong on my healing and my own spiritual journey. You know, she's held my hand in my most darkest moments and has held such a very powerful, but also a loving mirror up, allowing me to see what I wasn't willing to see, allowing me to see and heal my unconscious traumas, but also allowing me to see and acknowledge my greatest potential. Jenna has completed extensive study. She is a spiritual counselor, worked as a channel for many years at the yoga barn. She has studied and practiced Buddhism, yoga, Ayurveda, metaphysics, and also gestalt therapy. Naturally, as Jana has evolved, so has her work. She's a powerful spiritual guide and works primarily with energy in a type of tantra called Swar Tantra. Welcome, Jana. Very happy to be here. Thank you. So I wanted to share a little about um, how I met Jana. So when my mum passed, I really deep dived into my own healing journey. I began to see that I was destined for more. And I could also see that if I continued on the same self-sabotaging path that I was in, then um, I was I was actually worried for my life. And so if it was meant to be, it was up to me. So I really deep dived into my own healing and spiritual journey. I was led to studying Tai Chi and Qigong and Kung Fu in China. And then I jumped on a plane and landed in Ubud, Bali. And I landed at the Yoga Barn, which I'm sure many of you that are listening to this have heard of. The Yoga Barn is like a big kid's playground for growth for spirituality for expansion it's so fun you can do anything at the yoga barn (laughs) to from cacao ceremonies to breath work and while I was at the yoga barn I kept hearing Jana Johnson's name everywhere right like everywhere I'd see her on posters you know with spiritual retreat she was teaching workshops you could do one-on-one counseling with her I saw her poster everywhere and I remember one morning finishing a yoga class and I just came out of Shavasana and a woman next to me, we were just having a conversation after the class. And, um, you know, I was just telling her about my journey so far, my healing journey. And she was telling me about hers and she just said to me, Hey, you should go book in to see Jana Johnson. 
And as soon as that came out of her mouth, I was like, okay, spirit, God, I surrender. I will go book in to see this beautiful woman. And here in the session, she began confirming really powerful spiritual experiences I began having as I deep dived into my own meditation practice and as I really deep dive into my own psyche. And uh, these gifts that I had as a child just began to naturally strengthen and began to um, see really, really beautiful things around me like energy bodies. And at 19, I had a really powerful spiritual experience up in the hills of Chiang Mai, up in an ashram. And I saw this beautiful light being and um, what I confirm and what Janet confirmed was a beautiful angel. And I, I saw I saw these before this experience, but this was the most powerful experience I've had. And it's uh, it, it was a gift that was given to me. And this gift has a strengthened and strengthened and her confirming that at that point in time just gave me so much peace in my heart and peace in my mind that I was evolving and this is exactly where I needed to be and that everything was okay. And in that session, she also channeled my mom. <laughs> my mom came through and the messages that were coming through were so powerful. They just brought tears to my eyes. Like it was as if my mom was right beside Jenna and just speaking through her, like just... <laughs> sharing things from my childhood and my mum and just directing me and giving me confirmation with my next steps and one of the most um, one of the most powerful moments of my life and so Jenna has been um, along my side ever since and I have um, done many retreats with her since and she's come to even my hometown my small little mining town here in Australia and she's done spiritual retreats for my community here and she's been an absolute blessing in my life. So I wanted to share a little about my own story with her. And um, yeah, you're going to really love this conversation. So so I feel really inspired just to deep dive and get straight into this conversation. So what inspired you to do the work that you're currently doing? And I'd love you to open up that conversation around Swar Tantra. I know that that is your current lineage that you're currently teaching and you're currently practicing. So um, I think what inspired me, I think, is what inspires most people on this, and that's their own personal healing journey. You know, I think there's many of us who know that um, there's more happiness in life than maybe what we're experiencing, that there's more peace than what we're experiencing. There's more calm in our minds, in our hearts, than what we're experiencing. And so... For me, um, I, I knew that to be true. And so it was my own personal healing journey, which started on a psychological level. Um, but then I was immediately drawn into, you know, different books on, on spiritual traditions. Um, I was raised Christian. Um, once I was 18, I, I left and kind of started traveling around the country, the U.S., and was exposed to different people. I lived a very sheltered life in a very small town and um, nothing wrong with that, but that was just the situation. So I wasn't exposed to anything beyond Christianity, really. And so as I explored um, the U.S. and living in Florida and Seattle, Washington and California and New York, I just started meeting more and more people and um, got introduced and my curiosity was so strong in the spiritual realm. 
Um, and so eventually that's, that's what led me to start reading about different spiritual traditions. And then also um, with some experiences I was having with different healers who were maybe along, not maybe, they were more alternative healers, Reiki healers and psychics and things like that. Um, it became pretty clear that healing work was in my path. And so that was very tied to my, to my spiritual journey. Um, and so, you know, I lived a very normal life <laughs> and then, um, you know, ended up work, traveling across the country and uh, working corporate for a long time. But then my, my past, um, my curiosity into spirituality became very, very strong. And so I, I ventured into that while I was living this regular life. I did a four-year program. Um, yeah. that trained me to be a psychospiritual counselor and trained me in various healing modalities. And then I ventured off from that. I eventually left that and just focused on my healing work, which just continues to, to bring me deeper into my own spiritual journey. You mentioned that your curiosity began to get sparked and you began to get more intrigued about spiritual concepts and lineages I always feel like there's a defining moment that really sparks us to progress further on our journey and to deep dive into our own psyches and to really know ourselves and yeah was there a defining moment for yourself there's a couple things to say about that one I think it's just innate I don't know if it's innate innate in every human being um, but for me, I think curiosity just has always been part of who I am. Um, but there's, there is a situation that definitely was a starting point for me when I was in my first year of college um, in Minnesota. So I was 19 and I was in a sociology 101 class and they started talking about the Big Bang Theory. And I honestly had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know what that even was, you know, and they're talking about how the world was created. And in my mind, I seriously only knew the story of Adam and Eve and that God created the world in seven mm. days. And so when they were talking about that, I went home and I wrote, I went back to my room and I wrote to my pastor and I was like, what are these people talking about? And he wrote back to me and he said, you know, as Christians, this is what we believe, but other people have different beliefs. And I remember that moment, I was so angry. I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. People know about things that I don't know about. That's really what it was to me. And I felt foolish. I felt really mm -hmm. foolish. And that started me on finding books to read, looking anywhere I could to get other information of what do other people think? Like what other possibilities are there out there? And so, you know, and that was tied to spirituality because it was tied to my religion at first. Mm -hmm. Religion and spirituality are very different, but at the beginning, it was the same for me. I didn't know the difference. Um, and so that's how I started to really start to look into these other theories and other ideas. And it, they just made sense to me. A lot of Buddhism, you know, just made sense to me. Um, and so that's, that's really, that's like the one kind of tangible moment. I remember being like, okay, there is way more out here than what I know about. Okay. 
That's that's quite profound because 19 is still, you know, you're quite an adult at 19. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting how you're you're quite isolated and then you went to a sociology class and then you you found another another truth or another way of looking yeah. at the world and how the creation of the world amazing. Yeah. So then from that curiosity um began to dive into learning and learning about different spiritual faiths and then tapping into your healing gifts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was 29, I had just left a nine-year relationship and I was quite devastated about it. Um, And I, that was the first time I went to see kind of these more alternative healers. And I went to see a Reiki master and a psychic who also did like numerology and astrology. And both of them were very, very clear that I was to do healing work very clear at that time and lots of you know they one of them was like you don't hear that chanting and I'm like what you seriously don't hear chanting all around you and I'm like no I don't know (laughs) you know um and that to me that was like I didn't even know what that meant really you know was it possible I could do healing work it never occurred to me that would be my craft you know, I was working corporate, I was doing really well as a rural Minnesota girl in New York City, like, I thought I I was doing really well for myself, it never occurred to me that I would move into give up all that and move into healing work. Um, But, you know, for me, my kind of uh, psychological journey and my spiritual journey have always been quite entwined in that I always I suffered from depression for all of my teenage years into my thirties. And, um, I was, so when I left this relationship, I went into a pretty deep depression. And as I came out of that, then I was in New York city and then September 11th happened Mm. and that triggered another depression. And it was during that time then that I had, um, one night, another tangible experience. One night I was laying in bed. And by this time I was definitely on my path, just doing self-study. I'd been reading and, you know, seeing a lot of different healers and stuff. Um, But one night I was laying in bed and I was just like speaking to, I didn't know because my understanding of God now was completely disassembled. So I was just speaking to whatever was there. And I just said, you know, why would you put me here? Knowing how sensitive I am, why would you put me within eyes view of these towers you know and literally in the middle of the night I woke up because I heard something in my ear that was like the world is changing in the next 10 to 20 years so drastically and you need to go through this to be prepared to help other people and it was so clear I literally jumped out of bed because it was like someone was talking in my ear and that's when I knew I needed some help. Mm. I didn't know what was happening. I I needed some help. And I had had another um, energetic experience after 9-11. It was a few days afterwards and um, I was back working in Times Square and we had been, I was working for Condé Nast and our building had been evacuated um, because there was some kind of a threat. It was like two days after 9-11. And so I ran down 21 flights of stairs with everyone else. And then I just kept, I kept going and I walked from Times Square all the way over to Brooklyn to where my friend lived. 
And there were a bunch of us who were just sitting there like, you know, what do, what do you do? And we were, I remember sitting in her backyard and all of a sudden, all of these, what I, I don't know how I knew, but it was energy just moved through me. And my friend is like, what is happening? And I said, there's just souls moving through me. Like I could feel them moving through me. And I mean, you have to understand what New York City was like at that time, you know, 3000 people died in a flash. Mm. And so there was, there was spiritual energy, there were spirits everywhere. Like I, one time I was in a car driving underneath the Queens tunnel and there was literally someone standing. I saw someone standing at the tunnel. And when I turned around again, they were gone. Like mm. to me, these souls were so confused. They were just yeah. like, they had no idea what happened. And so the energy was really strong. And so I knew I needed some help. Yeah. And so that's when I, um, I went to a little three-day self-retreat up in um, the Berkshires. Oh, no, I can't remember the name of it. It's kind of a well-known little retreat space up there. And I saw a healer there and he referred, she referred me to a couple of healers in New York city. And so that's when my focus journey really began. That's when I went through the four year program. I found my teacher who's still my teacher to this day too. um, And Mm. started to really develop my intuition and my, and understand how I work with energy, understand that my whole life, my body has been an energy processor in ways that other people's bodies aren't. And um, just being having someone help me understand that and put that in the container for me to be able to manage. Yeah, wow, that's that's so powerful, Jenna. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and sharing your experience with September 11th as well. That's something that I hadn't ever thought of actually, like how quickly and suddenly those souls passed over, and your experience with that. And then I know that we've spoken a little about your story, you know, your your gifts began to grow and expand and you deep dived by taking part in that four-year psychotherapy program at Helix University. And then I feel like, um, you know, you had one foot in corporate for many years and then the other foot in your healing modalities and channeling and strengthening your gifts and really being of service by the world by using your healing gifts in a way to uplift the world in, in your unique way. And then after some time, like your bio said, you know, you got called to go to Bali and that's where I met you. And so I wanted to um, deep dive now into the work that you currently do now. I'd love to talk a little about this lineage that you're currently deep diving into and you're practicing called Swatantra. So um, Swatantra means one. So Swa is like one, right? Yourself. And Tantra is like technique. And so it's about finding finding one's own path, you know, there's no set dogma, there's no renunciation, there's no like you have to do this, you have to follow this. It's really about finding your own path. And like, I, don't, I didn't know anything about it prior to meeting Baba Guruji, who is, uh, who became my teacher. I met him in 2016. And um, I don't know that it's a Swatantra is a thing. You hear people using the word sometimes. Mm. I don't, I don't, it's not like, you know, like Tibetan Zogzen 
mm. you know, tradition or Zen tradition. It's, I don't think it's like that, like Swatantra tradition. For me, my path um, has been quite different than other people's path. And that's kind of the thing about this. Like when you met Baba, your experience with him was much different than my experience. Everybody has a different experience with him and, and it may be more talking and counseling and processing, or it may be more hands-on work, or it may be a mixture of both. Um, so there's no like, there's no template for it. And for me, it's been exactly what I needed because I've trained in many, many different, you know, I've trained in um, South American shamanism, I've trained in Buddhism, I've trained in Reiki, I've, you know, I've all of these different uh, studies that I've done. And, but I've never like stepped into one path and been like, okay, I am a shaman or mm. I am a Buddhist or I am a Reiki master, you know, like I've never felt that connected. Although I've, I've, I find many of those paths are so easy to fall into and I can really study them and really get into them deeply for a long time, but I've never found one that I've wanted to like claim as this is my path. Yeah. And so with Swatantra, there is no need for that. You don't have to, you know, pay allegiance to anything. It's really just about what is your experience in this time? And it's, it's Tantra is energy. It's all about energy. So there's not a lot of actual teaching from the texts or teaching from the scriptures. Although for me now, my path has really gone into, I've started to read a lot of the ancient texts and study them more, but that's not something like that unless you're already into that, like I've had people who are really into that and they come and, you know, that's what they talked to Baba about. And he can talk about those too, you know? Um, it's, it's been really, uh, really up to what, what is your path? What is your karma? What is your dharma? You know, it's a mixture of all of that. And so I can really only speak about it from my perspective. I can't like, I'm not, when I speak about it, it's not like, I don't even know if Baba would speak about it in the same way. I don't know yeah. if you would speak about it in the same way. So mm. um, for me, and this gets into my work a little bit more, is me now, I think my work has always been about finding your true self. And, you know, it's even hard these days to use some of those buzzwords because it's like, what does true self mean to you? You know, it means something different to me. And, and, but I think always, even when I was doing the kind of channeling, when you first saw me, it was always about pointing back to what's really going on inside of you, what's mm -hmm. really going on there. And so that string continues in my work through my own evolution in that the, the clearer I've become, the deeper I've gone into my work, the more I've been able to kind of clear out the crap, <laughs> you know, that we all have in our field, the energy that serves as kind of filters in our own field, the more I'm able to come out with my true self, that is able to reflect with my clients reflect their own true self. You know, it's, it's the mirror has been polished 
more and more and more. And so when people sit with me now, they can, they're able to see themselves more. My energy now has become to a level where my energy affects other people's energy, clear out other people's energy. It's a very feminine way of working. And I wanna be clear that I'm not talking about man and woman. I'm talking about feminine because spirit, God, whatever you wanna call it does not have gender. There are aspects of it that we have personified and there are people who have personified that have gender identity, but the energy itself is not gendered, right? But there is a definite sense of masculine. It is the feminine energy that's, that's finding its way through me in a much clearer way. And the difference between the feminine and masculine, and I think the West particularly, we've approached spirituality through, so much through this masculine way of transcendence, right? We want to just transcend. And ultimately, yes, ultimately, yes. Yet the feminine requires that we actually live it. We actually live it. And we have to be in our body to live it here. And so there, there's, I think, a resurgence of that that's coming up. And that's why we're seeing more and more women coming into this because it's no longer, you know, and, and I've had male teachers who are amazing. Baba is, is one of them. So it's not about it being wrong or not good or anything like that. It's just, there is a new, there's a shift that has happened. And it is truly about this feminine energy coming back into balance. And in order to do that, we have to get real as women. And part of that is the, you know, forbidden emotions, you know? And I think some of the masculine spirituality doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for our deep dive into emotion. And we have to, we have to go there. We have to go there. That is what the mother is, you know, because that's where love, that's where love sits. That's where love lives. And this, this kind of trend of transcendence and and it's I don't mean to talk about that um, foolheartedly because there's deep truth in transcendence there's deep truth in that yes and that's not how everybody teaches I'm not I'm not um, calling fault to anything it's it's our misperception of the teachings <laughs> I think yes. that leads us to bypass actual living and wanting to just skip and go into oh, I'm not of this world, but you are in this world. And so I feel like that's really where my work is now. You mentioned, oh, I resonate with all this, Jenna. You mentioned some really powerful concepts. You mentioned um, the trend of transcendence. I love that, like this trend of transcendence. And I totally put my hand up for that for many, many years. I was wanting to go above and beyond the body, right, to just... Um, be in the mind through meditation but what I was really doing if I want to be honest is just this spiritual bypassing right not wanting to be in the body you also mentioned um, this is the age of the feminine energy come into balance and so many of us feel this 
And you mentioned that um, for this full integration to take place, that, yo, we need to get real. We need to get real. And I love it how you said by getting real means to be in the body and to allow ourselves the privilege of feeling our emotions fully. Because you said, because that's where love is. That's where we will find the experience of agape. True love is by allowing ourselves to feel fully, feel the richness of our emotions, to embody the fullness of our emotions. I love that. That's so, so beautiful. You know, we talk about that self-inquiry, right? The, the famous, who am I? Who am I? From uh, Ramana Maharishi, right? The feminine self-inquiry is there too. And that is the, who am I? And your body's going to tell you who you are. And so it's still about self-inquiry. It's always about self-inquiry. It's always about who am I? Because when we start to recognize, I don't know if location is the right word, but that's what I'm going to use. If we can locate ourselves in the midst of oneness, right? That's really what we're kind of looking for, you know, because if we're just that's the experience of human life is, is this, this identity that we are right now in the midst of being part of the collective, right? And so the, the real self-inquiry is who am I? Who am I? And so again, that the who am I that results in nothingness is also, that is the ultimate. The, the experience of life here as a human is also part of that. Like that's part of expressing or of um, being existence. Mm-hmm. And so the inquiry into as a, as a woman, but also as a man too, as more and more men are, are getting this as well. They're understanding the different qualities of the feminine, which are, um, you know, actually feeling into the body because our body holds so much knowledge and we hold energy in our body and energy is where all the imprints are from all of our trauma and wounding and all of our filters. Mm. And so the deeper we go into exploring, you know, who am I in this situation? Yes, we can look at the mind aspect of it, but we also can look at the body aspect of it. Like when I'm in a situation, I'm at work and I'm being reprimanded by my boss, you know, you've got all kinds of stories going on in your mind, but what is your body doing? It's, you know, contracting, 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 contracting. Okay, well, that's interesting. What happens when you start to breathe a little bit into that and understand that, okay, this is just a reaction I'm having to this particular situation and him reprimanding me for my actions isn't him, him or her reprimanding me for the, being the person that I am. It's reprimanding for my actions. And this is where the emotional stuff gets, um, you have to be very discerning because yes, as women, we are emotional beings and it's super important that we are allowed to dive deep into that emotion. There has to be a time when you come to recognizing that it is just an emotion. Like, so you don't get attached and stuck in that emotion. So you feel it, you allow it, but you don't cling to it. And that's the tricky part with the feminine. 
with the with women in particular is because we we have these deep emotions strong emotions mm. but then it's like i'm really sad right now and then it's like i'm you know two hours later well no I, i'm having a sad day so i'm going to stay in the sadness and my mm. my mind starts telling me stories of why i should remain sad should remain sad when really you're ready to come out of it it's not who you are and so yes feel it, be it in that emotion and then carry on. Yeah, I I really resonate with this. This is really powerful. It's hitting home for me, especially when you mentioned that something happens, especially when you mentioned that an experience happens and that will cause an emotional state depending on how we perceive that external situation. It might cause anger, right? And then my mind will literally say, yeah, days. And remember like all these other things that he did, like did this and he did that I just get pissed off even more and if I don't sit with it and I don't take a real good look at hey days like chill out this is like just one experience right then um thoughts create the emotional state and that can carry on then to the next day right so I yeah I really resonate with that and um and I wanted to just expand on something um as well about emotions and personally how powerful emotions can be you know when we feel passionate about things how powerful emotions can be to bring about great change and transformation in the world and even creating paradigm shifts right like there are aspects of life Jenna that I feel really really passionate about such as earth rights animal rights and women's rights these emotions that I feel about these injustices in the world propel me into action to actually get off my ass and actually do something about it. I feel that it has been these emotions that have propelled great change and transformation in the world, such as the suffragette movement and Mahatma Gandhi's movement. I feel like when we feel the fullness of these emotions, it is driven by love. It's driven by love to bring about justice in the world. And the interesting thing, Jana, and I'm sure that you can relate to this too, is that when I move into action and when I voice my opinions and my concerns through my voice, through speaking, through writing, I can often get told to settle down, right? Oh, settle down Daisy you're being a bit too loud um calm down you're being a bit psycho right now you're getting a bit crazy and I always say hey you know it's okay for you to also get angry about things that you're passionate about and it is that anger which I like to call fierce compassion actually I feel that's a very feminine way of describing things that we're passionate about that we're angry about right I feel like that is um, such a powerful force for change and transformation in the world, such a powerful force for creating a new paradigm. And there's, there's kind of two sides that you have to look at from that because, you know, especially in Eastern cultures, I've noticed this more so than in Western cultures from living in Bali and living in India. If you show any emotion, particularly if it's of the sadness or the anger side, or just the frustrated side, there's a lot of calm down, just calm down. Yeah. Or when they talk about it later, they'll say, well, you know, and then you had such an intense reaction. It's like, that was not intense. I was just having an emotional reaction. I was just, I was upset about it. It's not intense, you know, but we, and I think that 
as particularly as women, we come against that a lot. We show any diversion beyond the acceptable decibel of how how far up or down you're able you're allowed to go, and then you're you're overreacting, and so you're shut down so much. Now, I don't think I think that you know there's reason for some of that because women do tend to get they can tend to get overreactive when we do identify with those emotions, right? And then we do become rageful and screaming. And, you know, I find that sometimes women feel like the only way they can get things done is to get really, really, you know, intense about it. And so that's kind of made a bad name for all the other times people get emotional and they're just getting emotional because that's who we are, you know? So there's responsibility on both sides of it. I think of we as women need to recognize that we're, we are emotional beings and there's nothing wrong with that. And we need to take responsible responsibility for those emotions and use them um, in the best way that we possibly can, understanding that no one is perfect, right? And then the other side is we, not only men shut us down, but we shut other women down. You know, when, pe- when women get upset about something, we'll just be like, just relax, it's fine. Don't get upset about it. You know, or, oh, she was really getting upset about that. Did you see or hear? You know, like we need to cut that up too, to allow the space of this fluidity because that's all it is, right? Emotions, the energy in motion, classic saying, right? So we need to allow the space to let those emotions move through the space, move through the situation. So we can, cause that's where creativity is, right? When there's fluidity and movement, there's, there's creativity in that. There's not creativity in stagnancy. Amen to that. Yes. As women, we can definitely shut other women down and we definitely do need to cut that out. I love this conversation so much. I wanted to switch gears and just talk a little bit more about your work. So if someone did want to reach out to you, um, how's best to go about that? And how would you work with them? There's a few different ways. You know, I do do one-off sessions. So you can have a, yeah. a one-time session if there's something going on in your life. Um, and now, obviously, it's online. And so for me, it's very intuitive um, and and guidance. I'm trained as a uh, not a psychotherapist, but as a psychospiritual counselor. So I'm trained as a counselor. So there is counseling, but there's also a, just a lot of spiritual guidance. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking to start a practice, I can give some advice on how to start, you know, do sessions with weekly or bi-weekly. I have a four-month program called Finding the Nectar, which is really customized um, for the person. And it gives us a delineated time period of four months to work together. Every two weeks, we have a video call. And then there's Um, conversation, emails, messages in between those two weeks. Um, For people who are, it's a little bit tricky because this is a program that I need people who are, they're really ready to devote some time each day to this. And I don't mean that in, I'm not in any way saying, you know, if you really want this, if you really want, you know, spiritual awakening, then you would find the time. I don't mean it like that. People are in different situations in their life. And sometimes there's just not time. you got young kids, you've got a job, like you just don't have the time to be dedicating, you know, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes, 40 minutes there to do this. And I totally get that. So these are this, that program is really for people who are in a time in their life where they can focus on their spiritual path. They've got the time, they've got the 
energy to focus on it. So that's called finding the nectar. And now um, as things are starting to open up in the world, um, there's a couple different options. I will start to do some more traveling. So I'll go back to the States in July or August for a few months. I hope to get to Australia again yeah. at some point. Um, and, I'm in, and I invite people here to come and stay. They stay in my home um, for about probably seven days. So a seven day immersion that they can come and work with me one-on-one. -on -one. And that requires hands-on work body work and energy work and also you know just sessions one-on-one -on -one session working energetically working you know counseling working with spiritual guidance um and so you just stay here in my home yeah I'd loved the stay with you and Baba it would have been a few years ago now and it was just for 11 days but it was deep diving transformational work I went so deep in those 11 days you know and I just love the beautiful high energetic container that I was held in and all the body work and it was breath work and lots of meditation lots of spiritual insights I had such profound dreams during my stay as well and the food was amazing and I just felt so held and and you have this natural ability to hold such a gentle but powerful mirror up right for me to have a look at my stuff and for me to go even deeper and to accept and to love myself even more so for anyone that is listening right now I'm going to put all Jenna's contact details in the show notes and if you feel called to reach out and if you resonate with what we're speaking about right now I'd highly recommend um, just sending her a message and connecting with her and following her she's an amazing woman and um, and the work that she has done on herself is so inspiring you are in safe hands with Jana Johnson so I just wanted to share that with the community Jana so how can people get in contact with you so um, my Facebook page, my Instagram, and my website are all under Jana Johnson, healingworks.com, basically. Um, and then my email is Jana, J-A-N-A, at Jana Johnson, healingworks.com. Amazing. Well, I will put all that in the show notes uh, for the community. Jana, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor, and I think you're just amazing. Thank you so much again for taking out my invitation to being part of my podcast and we'll chat very, very soon.